Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up, Chelsea, not exactly ace, but through against Wimbledon. We try and predict the end of the transfer window as Poch picks Palmer. There's a look ahead to two two-time European champions squaring off and our world-renowned quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. Hope you're okay, listener. It's our second Cobham of the week. We're going to be talking about a win against Wimbledon, an upcoming game against Forest, some transfer talk, and a little bit more besides as well. It is me, Matt Davis Adam, joined by two of the Athletics' finest. Liam Toomey's back with us. How are you doing, Liam? I'm very good. Looking forward to discussing a game that I saw a two-minute highlights package of last <laughs> night. Well, luckily for you, I was there and Luke Bosher was there as well. Luke, did you enjoy watching 90 minutes worth of Chelsea versus Wimbledon at seven o'clock in the morning? Uh, I very much did, Matt. I think, you know, it's a, it's a good sign of how well the EFL is doing, I think. And that's great for our league and our game uh, <laughs> yep. here in the UK. Look at this. We've offloaded the ageing high earners. We've got a young, hungry group here. Okay, lower base salaries, more incentive-based, but we're hungry and we're ready to get at it. All right, that makes me Thiago Silva, presumably, which is fine by me. (laughs) Uh, It's a first outing for this panel. Excited to see how it goes. Big quiz coming up later too. Uh, Depending on where you are in the world, listener, you probably didn't see the League Cup second round tie with Wimbledon on Wednesday. Luckily for you, we did. We're going to tell you what happened next. Searching ball forward, ought to be dealt with by Bass, hasn't dealt with it, danger here for Wimbledon, and it's Fernandez for Chelsea, with the rescue act, off the bench and scoring, his first Chelsea goal, Enzo Fernandez. The reaction was really good, and, and of course, um, and on the end, after 90 minutes, I think we deserve to be on the next round. Even if uh, Wimbledon was a was a really tough opponent, and yes, they they made very good uh, you know game. So Chelsea given a scare by League Two Wimbledon on Wednesday night, but squeezed through to the third round of the Carabao Cup. Uh, I was there. Simon Johnson was too. Let's hear the Athletic scribes' thoughts in the form of a voice note. Chelsea 2, ANC Wimbledon 1. Uh, lots of hugs going on in the middle of the pitch as I talk between the two sets of players. Full credit, first and foremost, to ANC Wimbledon. They gave Chelsea a bit of a scare. Chelsea haven't lost in the second round of the League Cup since 1995. And uh, for a while there, in the first half, it looked like they might, uh, history might repeat itself because Chelsea are pretty, pretty ropey. Lots of changes, seven made by Positino and all, and not many. I have to say, stake the claim for a first-team place. Uh, Something summed up, I think, by Diego Moreira uh, being subbed at half-time for Nicholas Jackson. Uh, The ANC women and players now walking over to the sizeable 
I see women in support in the shed end getting an absolute rousing reception. They made Chelsea sweat. Even in the last moment there, De Sassi having to do a last-ditch tackle to deny uh, Al Hamada uh, a goal to equalise, perhaps take it into penalties. But uh, it was a game of firsts in a way. Uh, we saw first goal for Noni Medwecki, Chelsea's best player from the first half. And he, he certainly responded to the imminent arrival of Cole Palmer, uh, another possible rival for a place in his first team. And also, first goal for Enzo Fernandez. Uh, a fine finish from some calamitous play from Lee Too Worthy for the second goal, the decisive goal. It was a bit of a cameo for Enzo Fernandez, but it was still enough time for him to look like the best player on the pitch, as he usually does. Nicholas Jackson also looked good, as per usual. But, but yeah, on a night where a lot of Chelsea fans are talking about why Chelsea signed Carl Palmer, perhaps it was uh, some evidence of why that uh, perhaps the depth, the depth in the attacking quality maybe is lacking a little bit. But Ronnie Medwecki is certainly responding to the challenge. So the players are walking off now. 2-1, not much else to say. They're in the third round. And um, Pochettino will be a relieved man, I think. Pochettino will be a relieved man, says Simon. Simon will be a relieved man that I will point out on his behalf that that, of course, was not Noni Madweke's first Chelsea goal. It was his first goal at Stamford Bridge. Um, Luke, seven changes from Saturday, as Simon mentioned. <sighs> It felt to me like some players didn't take the chance that was offered to them, but a couple did. Uh, Diego Moreira, I guess the obvious one, having been hooked at half time. But but on the positive side of the of the ledger, I thought the likes of Ugo Chukwu did quite well, and and the armband metaphorically seemed to fit Conor Gallagher, even if uh, in post match he admitted that he had to tape it up because the actual armband was too big to get around his skinny little arm, which I thought was very cute. Yeah, I mean, it was a uh, it was a bit of a weird midfield with uh, Ian Martson again failing to get any minutes at left back. But I think Martin did a did a pretty good job in a, a more advanced role, linking up well down the left. Although he had arguably two of Chelsea's poorest performers in uh, Moreira and Kukurea on that flank to deal with. Ugochukwu did well, kind of you know dropping in between the centre backs. Gallagher was as busy as ever, but I thought for me, Noni Madueke was was the Chelsea's by far and away most dangerous player. I mean, he just played with so much confidence. He was he was beating his man driving into the box and that's how he won the penalty as well showed great confidence to step up and take the penalty with you know the Wimbledon goalkeeper uh, Bass was about five yards closer to him uh, than he should have been but um, great composure to to stick it away. Liam it's kind of difficult isn't it to to know how much stock to put in a performance for, from a Chelsea player against a side in League Two uh, but Madueke kind of kind of needed this I feel because he missed pre-season essentially didn't he with that tight hamstring he came back from the Euros with and we'll talk about Cole Palmer later but if somebody else is coming in to play as a wide man for Chelsea and we know how much they paid for for Mudrick etc he he needed to state his case to Pochettino and it felt like he took the chance on Wednesday. Yeah he's trying to make up for lost time and he was always going to have a slightly later start to pre-season given his involvement with the Euro under 21s but then getting the injury that he did it was just a real, real setback. I mean, it it wasn't clear when we were in the US that he was going to miss all of preseason. It seemed like it was a it was an injury that lingered more than maybe people expected. 
and and so he went with the group but that was the extent of his involvement and it, it's good to see him looking good now particularly physically he's got that acceleration lovely burst of speed to win the penalty and of course we know he's got that close control the ability to commit defenders and and force mistakes out of them and it was particularly significant that he produced a performance like that as news was breaking that Chelsea are signing another left-footed attacker who is more comfortable on the right-hand side. I, I was trying to tally it up in my head last night over the last 18 months. Is uh, We must be getting up towards 10 if you include the likes of Amari Hutchinson. Goodness knows what he's thinking now, given all the other players they've signed. But a lot of players who like to operate on that side of the pitch. And so Madueke knows he's got to perform. He's also got probably Chelsea's best performer of the season so far and Raheem Sterling in front of him in that position. Uh, so he needs to take his chances when he when he gets them, even if it is against Wimbledon. As you say, there's only so much we can read into it. There were a bunch of teenagers on the bench, Samuel Smith, Bergstrom, the goalkeeper, maybe not as many as we thought there were going to be. Petrovic got on there too, having just signed too. But I thought it was interesting, Luke, to see Bashir Humphreys playing at right back. Now he's a he's a centre-half by trade, but this is kind of typical of what we've seen from, from Pochettino so far this season, right? If, if you're a defender, you need to be flexible. Cole Wills learnt it and, and the same for Humphreys against Wimbledon. Yeah, I thought he, he coped well. Wimbledon didn't really offer offer that much down down that left flank, and you know he linked well with with Gallagher and Madueke down that side. But I think you know there were times, particularly in the first half, where I think Madueke maybe cut inside or, or took up a an inside position and was looking for someone to go bursting on the overlap, and and Humphreys wasn't quite there uh, in the same way that Gusto or Reese James would have been. But I mean, it was a very solid performance, and I think you know. Whether he will stay at Chelsea, obviously that's very much up in the air. But he, he's done his uh, done his chances, no harm there. Are they keeping hold of him for the minute, Liam, because of the injuries to Fafana, Badia, Shield, and Co? And, and would you expect him maybe to stick around until January, or this might be a, a late move on Friday for him? I'm still trying to get a handle on what's happening with Bashir Humphreys because I am slightly surprised that he's still at Chelsea at this point. I think it's at least partially linked to how things land with Trevor Chalaber. We don't know at this stage whether a move to Bayern Munich will go through. We know that Bayern want a replacement for Benjamin Pavard and Chelsea have been open to selling Chalaber all summer for the right price. It's just whether that they can agree on a price. And I think, of course, Chalaber's injured anyway until after the international break. So there is a short-term need for extra defensive bodies. But I think they've delayed a decision around Bashir Humphreys in part because of the uncertainty about Chalabar and not knowing, well, not knowing exactly uh, how many numbers they'll have in that area of the pitch for the rest of the season. Just flashed up on my Twitter feed, Luke. There is cautious optimism. A deal can be struck between Chelsea and Manchester United for Mark Kukurea with all parties willing to get it done. Um, how surprised were you to see him? start last night because we thought this move was was close and obviously it's a risk just in case he would have got injured yeah I mean you always take that risk when you play a player who whose future at the club is uncertain and I think um when Liam and Side did their 11s for for the Wimbledon game earlier in the week I think neither of them mentioned Kukurea so yeah it was a bit of a surprise and you know I kind of joked beforehand that you know, if I was Manchester United watching that game, I wouldn't have the the most confidence 
in Kukurea as a short or long-term option at left back. But I think that's, you know, to his credit, it's a bit difficult to come in straight from the cold with all the noise that's gone on over the summer. And, you know, he's now essentially been relegated to, you know, third or fourth choice left back at Chelsea. But, you know, he came away from it unscathed and it seems as though that will be his last appearance in a Chelsea shirt, certainly this season. So as for the game, Robert Sanchez gave away a slightly harsh looking penalty. No VAR in the the league cup at this stage of the tournament. So the ref had one look and said it was a pen, which was smashed down the middle by James Tilly. And then Madweke won and converted his penalty on half time. If we had had VAR, that definitely would have been retaken because there were about 20 players in the box when he struck the ball. And then uh, the subs came on and Enzo Fernandez. Pouncing on an error from the goalie gets his first Chelsea goal. Um, Liam, I feel like that's actually been quite overdue. Obviously, he missed the pen at West Ham. He, he hit the, the woodwork against Luton as well, didn't he? But it was actually a, a nice composed finish. One of those that, that looks easy on first viewing, but he still had a bit to do. Yeah, and the way he kind of took the last defender out of the equation with just a little steadying touch to open up the angle. And he basically passed it, didn't he? It was a it was a long range curled pass into the back of the net. And I think we're going to see quite a bit more of this from from Enzo this season because, as we've mentioned before on the pod, Chelsea don't have a lot of number ten options at the moment for this Pochettino system when when Carney Chukwemeka isn't available. And it looks, based on the recruitment that they've done, that they've they've not put anything in the way of Enzo continuing to operate further forward. In that position, I think they want to give him an opportunity to make things happen in the final third, whether it's creating for others or looking to score himself. And that five million pound price tag on FPL could actually prove to be a bit of a bargain for Enzo. Yeah, see, also four million for Gusto. I think we've all wised up to that one now. Uh, Levi Colwell went off with a, a slight injury, which he iced up immediately. He told Simon, though, but it's not serious. And then he said to Simon, can't you remember Nani Madweke scored away at the Emirates last season? Come on, mate. Colwell, by the way, may well be in the England squad by the time you hear this. That's being announced this afternoon as we record. Uh, Luke, the narrative demanded it's Brighton at home in the next round. (laughs) I don't know if it was just me that groaned at that, but yeah, there's plenty of backstory to this fixture now. Yeah, I mean, normally when you get in a situation like this, you might call it, you know, the ex-player or ex-manager derby, but there are just too many links between the two clubs right now for it to be the Caicedo, Cole Will, Ben Roberts derby. Um, <laughs> yeah, it could go on there. Uh, it'll be an interesting test as well. You know, I think Brighton are a fantastic team, save for their last result against West Ham at the weekend, but a lot of players will want to prove themselves. What I think works in Chelsea's favour, Liam, potentially here is that Brighton are in Europe and Chelsea are not. So this may be a bit lower down the, the list of priorities for, for De Zerbi's team than it is for Potter's peeps. Elwin Stanley Co. Did that work? <laughs> I, I'm not sure that's going to catch on, is it? The Cucurella Co, surely. Yeah, but it needs to be someone who's still going to be at Chelsea okay. when the game <laughs> takes place. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a massive adjustment for Brighton this season coping with European football as, uh, as well. When, when you're a club that isn't used to playing every three days, every single week, I think Newcastle are going to find this as well with the Champions League. It is a big adaptation. And that's why the big clubs who fall out of the Champions League tend to find it such an advantage the following season because they're not used to having that much time to prepare tactically or physically. Uh, we've already seen Brighton get a couple of injuries and they've lost some key players. So I... 
I thought more generally they would they would be prime regression candidates in the Premier League this season. They made me look a fool by scoring eight goals in their first two games and playing the best football in the division. But the West Ham game was a bit of a reality check for them. And uh, I think they're going to be a bit more up and down. And given the way Chelsea have looked so far, performance is better than results largely. I think they should be pretty confident of getting this game in their favour. And and as Pochettino said, he wants to win all the competitions. He had a reputation at Spurs for binning off the domestic cups, but I think he knows that won't fly at Chelsea. He needs to compete for everything. Yeah, so Chelsea versus Brighton, then round three. The tie will take place the week commencing the 25th of September. All right, we're going to do some transfer chat next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, Very unhelpfully for this podcast, the transfer window closes on Friday night. That's the 1st of September. So we can't tell you definitively how many players Chelsea have sold to Forest in the end. Uh, But we can have a stab at what might be happening in the corridors of power at Cobham between now and the window being gently pulled into the secure position. Uh, We've mentioned him already, Liam. Chelsea famously short of wide forwards. So they're going for Cole Palmer, a £35 million off a knockback earlier in the week but it seems as though that there's a willingness on all parties to get this done yeah it's going to happen understanding is 40 million plus 5 million in add-ons and it's an interesting deal on a few levels because Palmer is someone who we were always told was highly rated by City but a few weeks ago he was being talked about in connection with a, a loan spell at Burnley if they could get another winger in. And now he's uh, a £45 million signing for one of City's rivals. And the fact that City are prepared to take this money and send him to a rival, or ostensibly a rival, I don't know. I, I kind of think that would give me pause if I was <laughs> if I was a Chelsea owner or a co-sporting director. But they, they're clearly very confident in their own evaluation of players. They have been ever since the takeover some of these deals they'll get very wrong some of them they'll get very right and we'll wait to see where Palmer fits into that he's had some good moments for City was part of the same squad as Madueke and Colwell for the Euro under 21s he's clearly got a lot of talent and I remember him giving Cesar Espilicueta a torrid time uh, in the cup last year but he does add to the positional logjam on the right side of the pitch Although I think Pochettino will present this as someone who fits what he was asking for, which is an attacking player who can technically operate all across the front. Age-wise, he fits what Burley and Clearlake are doing. But again, the price tag is the thing that people are going to talk about. And that is the 
the big question mark over a deal like this. Yeah, just looking at some of his stats, he's only played 19 Premier League games. Three of those actually were from the start, albeit only two last season. He did play 19 both games against Chelsea in the domestic cups. It's it's one of those, Luke, where the link first comes up and you go, what? That's really strange. And then it's kind of explained a little bit and you get it. But I'm still thinking this is a bizarre one that, that has come from nowhere, not just from a Chelsea perspective, but as Liam alludes to there, City, you know, when they hold on to academy players and don't send them out on loan, it's usually because they've they got the Phil Foden, Rico Lewis kind of plan of being a mainstay in, in the team at some point. So it's odd that they've decided to move him on to to a Premier League rival. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that to an extent, but I think maybe, you know, Palmer was on that kind of Foden trajectory, but last season, for whatever reason, I don't think that he maybe kicked on enough or Guardiola didn't trust him enough. And he definitely didn't get the minutes that I think, you know, as an outsider, I was expecting him to get as like a squad player at City, you know, barely featured in the league and the cups, only those two league starts, I think right at the end of last season. And maybe they have just decided, you know, this is, this is the right time to part ways. His contract I think was up or is up technically until 2026. So he's still got a lot of protected value there. And yeah, it's, it's a strange deal because I just think, you know, you look at the deal that Chelsea were trying to conduct for, for Michael Elise. And even that was like, okay, did Chelsea really need another wide forward, especially one that prefers to play on the right as, as Liam sort of spoke about before. But, you know, you looked at the season that Elise had last year and 35 million, you think, okay, I can, I can see where this deal is coming from. It makes a lot of sense. Now you're talking about 10 million more for a far less experienced player who's shown probably less of their quality and their potential. And yeah, it does it does strike you as very strange. The other thing about this deal has been remarked on by, by a few people, and I, I believe Ollie Kay is writing about it for us this week, is the idea that sales of academy players can be used to offset your own transfer spending because what we know about them being fully amortized and pure profit in the books. And it seems Manchester City are doing this. You know, they lost Riyad Mahrez. They had an opening on the wing rather than give Palmer more of a run. They went out and spent on Jeremy Doku. And now they're doing this deal for Mateus Nunes. Palmer more than offsets that in this year's accounts in terms of what they'll bank from this transfer. And that's exactly what Chelsea have been doing with the sales of their Cobham products to give them the room for their own spending in this window. And there are bigger questions to be asked about whether financial fair play, Premier League's financial controls and the way clubs account for transfers in and out is actually incentivizing them to sell their own academy players, which I'm sure wasn't the intention and is not something that most fans are overjoyed to see. But it is something that's happening. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, some reports earlier in the week, Liam, about Emil Smith Rowe being linked with Chelsea. They seem to disappear as quickly as they came. Was that was that one a total non-starter? And, and do we say the same for for Ivan Tony, given that he's not going to be able to play until the window opens again in January? Well, we we were told with Smith Rowe that there was no substance to that. You know, the the other upshot of Chelsea being so active in the transfer market under Todd Bowley and Clear Lake Capital is they get linked with everyone. 
everyone who has an agent who wants to put their client's name out there, everyone, every club that is motivated to sell a player. There are lots of people in the world of football that are motivated to put Chelsea's name in connection with the player, even when there is no substance to it. And of course, a lot of the time there is because they're looking at signing a lot of players. But we were told there was nothing in Smith Rowe. As for Ivan Tony, he's just signed with new agents. I think he's done a couple of interviews in the last few months that suggest quite clearly he is looking to move on from Brentford in January, preferably January, but sooner rather than later. And it looks like the the table is being set by all parties for him to move on and land at a top club. He wants to go. I think Brentford would be happy to cash in on him for a big price. There's been suggestions of 80 million. I'm sure if a bid of that level came in, don't know how likely that is. Uh, I think they'd be very happy to take that. It would be another notch in the Brentford-Brighton rivalry, wouldn't it? Um, Who can cash in most on these players they're selling. But Tony, I think, will will leave Brentford sooner rather than later. I, I don't know whether it will be to Chelsea, but I'm not surprised to see Chelsea linked because they're linked with everyone who wants to move. Uh, all right, let's have a look at some outgoings that might happen then. We've mentioned Kukurea to Man United. Looks like that one's still on. Malang Sata Forest, no thanks. Uh, we spoke earlier about selling academy players for profit, Luke. I wonder, therefore, how you'd feel about Trevor Chalaber going to, to Bayern Munich because he's not somebody who's ever really been able to nail down a regular place in a regular position for Chelsea, but it does stick in the craw of some supporters when, when you... You lose a Cobham kid, particularly if somebody like Bayern Munich sees potential for them to play for their side regularly. Yeah, I think it's Chalabos always had in his Chelsea career ever since he came in, you know, that element of surprise of like, oh, he's in the first team. OK. And that, I think, has made it quite difficult for him to establish himself because, you know, he's never been the sexiest name. He's never been, you know, your Mason Mount or Conor Gallagher or Reese James, an academy product that Chelsea fans were really excited about but when he played for the most part he's done a very dependable job can play in a back three back four center back right back I think he even played central midfield at one point and maybe that positional versatility is a is a key factor in why Bayern Munich want him as as Liam said they're looking for a for a Benjamin Pavard replacement and he's someone that can play both at center back and right back uh and for the reasons I spoke about, I think Chelsea fans won't be too disappointed if Chalabar does head to Bayern because I think he's never been a fan favourite. Um, and, and it's a bit of a shame, but we've spoken about pure profit. And if they get a permanent deal or a loan with obligation, then it's it's all good for the for the Chelsea accounts. The fact that Thomas Tuchel is pushing for Trevor Chalabar is fascinating to me because when Tuchel was at Chelsea, yes, he gave Chalaber his breakthrough and gave him a run in the team when maybe other Chelsea coaches wouldn't. He also throws him out of the team for months with no explanation from what I'm told. And by the end, by the time Tuchel left, I don't think there was a great deal of affection there between Chalaber and Tuchel. So I, I find it really interesting now that, that Tuchel has looked at that Bayern squad with, with Pavar going out the door and, and thought, you know what, Trevor Chalaber's available, we'll get him in. And I would imagine any, any conversations that take place between the two of them will have to address what happened towards the end at Chelsea. Chalaber's preference has always been to stay at Chelsea. He's never been angling to leave. And that's why I think 
that's what I think is the sad element of this is that he's an academy player who actually wants to stay and wants an opportunity to to play not necessarily every week but just be considered in the squad and and he's always been short of backers internally and it feels like that's basically going to be true right to the end of his Chelsea career. All right, we can take what um, Liam's just said about Chalobah there, Luke, and apply it to Conor Gallagher in a lot of respects. Tottenham still sniffing around. Why are we still doing this? I mean, the guy started every game this season for Chelsea. He was captain of the team last night. Surely there's no logical reason other than to appease the pure profit stands to sell Conor Gallagher at the moment. Uh, Absolutely. I think at the start of the summer, I think many Chelsea fans, you know, if you'd have given them the choice, they would have wanted to keep Mason Mount over Conor Gallagher if it was a, a straight shootout. But the fact is, Mount's gone. Gallagher's still here. And, and like Liam said, you know, Gallagher is a player who loves playing for Chelsea. He always gives his all. He runs around, but he's got quality as well. And he's shown that at times last season, albeit it was a very difficult period for, for Chelsea and for him. Uh, and he's versatile as well. You know, last night he was playing kind of in a, in a double pivot, but kind of as a right-sided number eight. He's played you know, as one of the two in a three-four-two-one kind of setup, he he offers a lot to Chelsea, and obviously the club are aiming to get back into Europe from next season as soon as possible. And and Gallagher will be a a great help in terms of, of squad registration because he counts as homegrown at the club, and captaining the side last night as well. It's just it doesn't make sense to get rid of with players like that who, who clearly love being at Chelsea. And even though you know he's only twenty-three, I think. Uh, he's one of the more senior members of this squad, and I imagine in that dressing room, he, he is a he's a great presence. Mm. Uh, elsewhere, Romelu Lukaku to Roma. Here we go, confirmed, done, etc. James Horncastle's got a really nice piece up on the Athletic about that move now, and the five thousand fans who greeted him at the airport. Athletic.com/slash/ChelseaPod, the place to go to sign up if you want to read that. Looks like Callum Hudson Odoi. Uh, we'll get his move to Forest as well. Uh, one that's been confirmed just as we started recording, Liam, is Tino Angerin to Portsmouth. I'm guessing there's two key factors here. One, John Harley, Portsmouth's first team coach, who, who had Angerin uh, under his tutelage in the Chelsea Academy. And, and the other, the fact that he wanted to go abroad, didn't he, Angerin? But, but the loan spots to clubs outside of the UK are pretty much sewn up already. So that's put the kibosh on that for him and he's he's in League One instead. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what his preferences were, but the international loan spots, I think, were an issue. He's also a South Coast boy, born and raised in Poole. So I think I think Portsmouth will be a home from home from him. But ultimately, beyond what club he's playing for, he just needs to play. He's 20 years old now. He's watched a lot of players who were in his age group with England, not least someone like Bukayo Saka, who he was ahead of. Uh, for most of his teens, leave him in the dust, not because of talent, but because of injuries. And he's just been unable to get any real rhythm. So he, I think if he if he gets a run of fitness and gets a full season under his belt, he's he's talented enough to absolutely boss League One. Uh, he's he's much better than that level. He he was he was shining in the Championship when he was fit as well. So he's got he's still got huge talent, Andrew, and he's just lost a lot of time to injury. And um, I think Chelsea were also aware that a loan was preferable because selling him this summer would have meant selling him at pretty much the nadir of his value. So you send him on loan, you give him another chance 
to really shine and, and change the trajectory of his career. And then you reevaluate next summer. Yeah, he hasn't played a first team game since September of last year. So let's hope uh, that he can kickstart his career. Boxing Day for the big one, Bristol Rovers versus Portsmouth, a.k.a. Harvey Vale versus Tino Andrew. Uh, all right. Well, you can laugh, listener, that we missed that massive transfer that happened right at the end of the window. But we'll round that up in our Monday show next today. We're going to look ahead to the weekend's game against Forest. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So it's the third of these three consecutive home games for Chelsea as they kickstart their season. Uh, we mentioned earlier, Luke, that nobody really made a case to, to get themselves in from the start who uh, began from the off against Wimbledon. Therefore, are you expecting your Chilwells, your, your Caicedos, Jacksons, Fernandes all to be back in from the start? Is, is, does Thiago Silva come back into the team for you in this game? I mean, Pochettino has proved himself to be... Uh somewhat of a maverick in his short Chelsea career, starting the first league game with a sort of hybrid three-back, four-back system. But I think, you know, if I had to guess, I think it it will be a very similar team uh, to the one that started Chelsea's last league game against Luton because, you know, obviously quality of the opposition aside, Chelsea looked pretty good, pretty comfortable in that match. And as you said, Matt, none of the the sort of fringe players, apart from Madweke that came in uh, against Wimbledon, really laid a marker down to start over the more experienced or the more expensive uh, players that are in Chelsea's first team currently. Madueke yeah, is the only one I think that, that could could start, but then you're looking at you dropping one of Gallagher, Caicedo, not really Enzo Fernandez because he's a bit of a lock, but I think it could even be the same team. Forrest, Liam, absolutely terrible on the road last season. They've already been to, to Arsenal and Manchester United this and they got battered there last year and only lost by the odd goal this time around. It's kind of similar opposition for Chelsea to face in a way to, to Luton in Wimbledon in that you're expecting the visitors to come and sit with a low block, not do very much and try and frustrate. I guess they'll be doing it with considerably more talent though. You know, Luton gave the impression of a team that were really underclubbed for the nature of the task just looking through their team sheet they I mean Ross Barkley was pretty much the only recognizable name at Premier League level Nottingham Forest have as you know Matt a lot of footballers 
<laughs> like Chelsea, uh, they like to amass footballers and they have some good ones. And Taiwo Awani has had a great start to the season. Absolutely great start to the season. And he showed against Manchester United how devastating he can be operating from a very low starting point <laughs> and running uh, with the benefit of scrambled defenders. So I think Pochettino has been quite aware of the possibility of counter-attack so far. And I think that goes back to the structure of the team that Luke was talking about, trying to make sure there's there's a balance there between the bodies you commit forward and the bodies you leave behind the ball. Chelsea will be very wary of that. And they, they know the problems that Forrest caused them last season. As much as Pochettino says he hasn't been looking too hard at last season, I'm sure he probably will look at last season's games, even if it was a very different Chelsea team, just see the things that Forrest tried to do because they have the same coach and some of the same principles to their play. Forest-wise, not a bad time for Chelsea to be facing them. Joe Worrell suspended, Scott McKenna injured. That's two of the regular centre-halves. Felipe was brilliant in that position last season. Hasn't played yet because of injury himself. So there might be an opportunity for Chelsea to get at Forrest. Uh, Morgan Gibbs-White not quite been able to recapture his form from the end of last season. And Brennan Johnson, who knows whether he'll be there or not by the time this game kicks off. Uh, Luke, have you got a prediction for me? Well, I think... Forest caused Man United a lot of problems in their last game, although Man United seem to have a lot of problems of their own. I think Chelsea should win, but I think I think Forest have looked fairly dangerous and Liam's already spoken about Awani up top and I do think Gibbs Wire has loads of quality. Uh, I think this Chelsea team is still kind of coming together, finding its feet. I think if I had to make a prediction, I'd say maybe 2-1 Chelsea. How about you, Liam? Yeah, I think Chelsea will win. I think Manchester United are considerably more of a mess at this stage of the season than than Chelsea are, less of a fully formed unit. And they still managed to gather themselves after a terrible start against Forest and win the game. It didn't seem like Forest did a particularly good job of defending a lead. So even if they get an early goal against Chelsea, I think there's every reason for Chelsea to be confident that they can take control of the game and come back as they were close to doing against West Ham course until Enzo missed that penalty so I, I think they'll win and they go 3-1 okay um listen I just hope that football's the winner uh on Saturday uh elsewhere in Chelsea news on Tuesday night the under 21s beaten in their first game of their EFL trophy group stage campaign they went down 4-1 at league two leaders MK Dons Jimmy J Morgan got the Blues goal. Next up for them, a game against West Brom in PL2 on Friday at Kings Meadow. The next game in the EFL Trophy is against Northampton. That's on Tuesday, the 26th of September. Once again, that is right around the time of the uh, Carabao Cup tie. So that might put the kibosh on some players who would have liked to feature for the first team uh, doing so. We shall see. The under-18s host Fulham at Cobham on Saturday morning. And the women's team play their first friendly of pre-season on Sunday evening. They take on Roma at Kings Meadow. That is an eight o'clock kickoff. Uh, let's do a quiz, shall we? First time these two contestants have gone head to head. Uh, fascinating to see how this one goes. How have I ended up on a Thursday again? <laughs> Uh, Luke, did you win your first quiz? I forget. I think you were close. Um, pass. Right. Okay. Well, that's a good He's start. about to win his first quiz. <laughs> uh, Liam, you can go first. 
Whose most recent Chelsea appearance came against Forest at the bridge in May? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, hang on, hang on, hang on. This is Liam's question. Oh, so right. don't sorry, worry. Sorry. sorry. You, you've given can, away Can Luke still answer it? Yeah. Is that all right? <laughs> um, I can't believe you've picked a game from the part of the season where everyone associated with Chelsea had checked out, including me. Not me. Uh, yeah, never checked out of Forest. <laughs> Sorry, who? Whose most recent Chelsea appearance came most against Forest Chelsea at the Bridge in May? That suggests it's a current Chelsea player. Don't go fishing for clues. No, I'm just I'm just commenting on the implied wording of your question. <laughs> um. I'd love it if Luke stole this now. I've mean, been just as flabbergasted as Liam was by the question. Gonna have to push you, Liam. Uh... Don't know. Luke, you can pinch it. I mean, only because we've sort of spoken about him. I guess Trevor Chalaba is incorrect. It was Benoit Badia Shield. Oh, okay. Tough question, that. Uh, Luke, here's your first. Who scored Chelsea's three goals against Forest last season? <laughs> uh, I've not... Uh, I'm really testing my memory here, Matt. Um, I mean, it was May, so... <laughs> yeah, I, a lot has happened since May, Matt. A lot has happened. Um, God, um, three goals... I'm I'm loud, literally. Like, who was playing for Chelsea in May? <laughs> I, like, half the team's changed. All I remember from either Forest game last season was Serge Aurier's scrambled goal from a corner, which is not a question. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna guess Raheem Sterling, Kai Havertz, and. Ugh, I don't know who else played for Chelsea last year. Um, Conor Gallagher. Right. Judge Oliver, is there any sort of semblance of a point being awarded here? Maybe a half, maybe a third? Okay. You can have a third of a point for that, Luke, because Raheem Sterling got all three of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I feel I feel like I've named the correct answer there. I yeah. don't know how that's not a full point. Okay, we might have to send this to adjudication depending on uh, on how things go. I'm just looking forward to you reading the final score of this quiz and it's a third <laughs> to nil. Uh which Ivory Coast right back no that's um that's not the question. Uh <laughs> here's your second one Liam. Which former Chelsea stopper kept goal for Forest in a 2-0 FA Cup win for the Blues against the Reds in 2000? In 2000. Sorry, former Chelsea stopper. So this is a game they were in. Yeah, they were in goal for Chelsea in this game. No, they were in goal for Forest in a 2 0 oh, okay. Chelsea win in 2000. This uh, timing wise, Kevin Hitchcock? No, no, I've just realised he didn't leave until 2001. Idiot. Play for Forest, either. Can you steal it, Luke? <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, I mean, I was three when this game happened, so <laughs> I, I think I'm not. I'm not going to embarrass myself by. Uh, by I wasn't to, born when England won the nowhere. World Cup. I still know Jeff <laughs> scored a hat trick. Come on, it's an easy. Slightly question. more, slightly more famous game. <laughs> slightly more famous game. Yeah, all of the punctuation points in football history. You know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it was Dave Besson, famous for dropping right. a bottle of salad cream on his foot. Uh, the judge has ruled. I'm afraid, Luke. Uh, that you didn't pay attention to the line of questioning. That's on Luke. Clear implication, it was one person. So your third of a point has been stripped away from you. And so far, it's nil-nil. Um, so there is some pressure here on you, Luke. Lucy wants to set up the lowest quality tiebreaker in the history of the <laughs> podcast. How many European Cups have these two clubs won between them? I know. Uh, Luke, second question. Chelsea played in the second round of the League Cup for the first time since 2016 this week. In that 2016 tie, which current Forest player made his Chelsea debut? It was against Bristol Rovers, if that helps oh, you at all. Okay, I mean, I feel like there's a, only one man it, it could be. Ola Aina? Ola Aina is correct, and we are underway. Uh, so here's your third question, Liam, which uh, you need to get to have any hope of forcing the tie break. Mishi Bakshwai has been linked with the move to Forest. He might even have joined by the time you're hearing this. Who did Chelsea sell Bakshwai to last year? Um, which of the Turkish clubs was it? <laughs> I think it was Fenerbahce. It was Fenerbahce. You are correct. So, Luke, if you get this, you win. If you don't, I'm amazed Lucy hasn't already put the tiebreaker into the Google Doc. She's doing it now. Uh, Forrest have signed Andre Santos on loan from Chelsea for the season. But where did Chelsea sign Andre Santos from? Ah, I believe it was uh, the Portuguese explorer, uh, Basco de Gama. Oh, and it's a first win for Luke in the quiz. 2-1, the final score. Sensational stuff. It's a shame we're not going to get the bonus question. I'm going to throw it in anyway because it's pretty good from Lucy. Uh, can anybody tell me what Cole Palmer's middle name is? <laughs> While you're thinking, um, I'll just tell you my two favourite footballers' middle names. That would be Emil Ivanhoe Heskey and Jermaine Colin Defoe. Anybody know what Cole Palmer's middle name is? Kevin? I think he grew up as a United fan, didn't he? So, uh, wouldn't be Cristiano. <laughs> it's Jermaine. Cole Jermaine Palmer. <laughs> We'd have been here for a very, very long time trying to get that one right. Uh, congratulations, Luke. You, you must feel that's really embedded you into the straight out of Cobham family now that you've got a quiz win under your belt. And this early in the day as well. I mean, you know, the weekend is yours now. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's, one of, it's like when your football team wins on a Friday, Matt, like, like Chelsea last week. It just sets you up just so nicely uh, for, <laughs> for a great weekend. There's nothing that you can't achieve. Um, right. That's just about going to do it for today. Liam, tell people what you're working on for The Athletic, please. I'm enjoying going back to my written format of knowledge where I can painstakingly look up everything that I include rather than having to think of it off the top of my head. Um, working on a piece about Cole Palmer, unsurprisingly. Trying to do an article with with Sam Lee and a couple of other people on, on what he could bring to Chelsea. Normally, a piece like that would have loads of lovely data visualizations from our from our brilliant analytics team but Cole Palmer hasn't played enough football 
to have any of those visualizations so uh we're gonna have to go a different way with it and and maybe i'll be booking some time on y scout soon Mm -hmm. Uh, luke i'm guessing everybody in athletic hq where you are now has got transfers on the brain right the uh, the live blog is the place to be to, to keep up with all the moves as they happen yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, Matt. I mean, the Athletic Live blog is where David Ornstein, you know, Sam Lees, Simon Johnson, Liam Toomey, all the great names of the Athletic mm-hmm. breaking uh, breaking their transfer story. So, yeah, that's, that's the place to be for the next, I don't know, 48, 36 hours. Yeah, and then it'll all be over until January, listener, and we can all relax a little bit. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, place to go to sign up. If you aren't currently a subscriber, it'll only cost you £1.99 a month for the first 12 months. Give us a follow on Twitter as well, if you'd be so kind, at Pod. And if you like the show, you can rate it, review it, tell a mate, all that good stuff. It helps other Chelsea supporters find us and keep us going. We'll be back on Monday when we'll talk about the game against Forest and what happened in the closing hours of the transfer window. Join us for that if you can. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. The Athletic.